Hi everyone, thanks for joining. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima. And today I'm talking with Ria and Robert in Kagoshima. Yay! Thank you so much for joining, Ria and Robert. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for yes. having us. So, how's the weather in Kagoshima today? Go ahead. Well, it was actually a pretty perfect day, but it was supposed to rain. But、um, the weather forecast is off and wrong here. So, we、is、had a very、right? nice day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're supposed to have rain today, it said. But、uh, no, no rain. And it's a perfect day. So beautiful.、Nice. Have you, have you had enough rain recently? Like, as farmers, that's vitally important, right? I think we had enough for now. Although last winter was like, we didn't have any rain and we planted wheat and we are hoping it will rain soon, you know? And yeah, it was tough a little bit. That is, it's hard.、Um, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about your water catching from the, the stream a little bit later. Um, I think we've got a few people watching now. Thanks for joining, everyone. If you have any questions or comments,、um, please write them below. We'll try to fit them in. I want to hear all about your amazing life as farmers and doing farm stays. And for me, I'm so interested in sustainability and I, I'm so interested in organic food and everything that looking at your Instagram, looking at your YouTube, everything looks so idyllic to me. I'm sure it's really hard work,、yeah. but it's so nice to see that you guys are enjoying what you're doing. You seem really happy doing it. Thank you so much for all your hard work. Yeah, well, we enjoy, of course, it's tough time, but yeah, we enjoy it. So, how did you get interested in farming? Tell me a little bit of your backstory. Sure. So, it was my idea, and、uh, I was teaching yoga in, in the States. Then, you know, when I was teaching yoga in a little studio, like I felt that like I'm guiding people, like connect to the earth, like, you know, like, you know, push the ground, like, feel the energy and all that kind of stuff. But I felt like it's not authentic whatsoever. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I mean, I can imagine, but it wasn't real. And I felt like I want to know what that means, you know? And then that led to being like, I want to start growing my own food. I want to start living in the nature. And then when I was actually thinking about that,、um, this land where the Kansha farm is now popped up and through my family. And I was like, you know what, Robert? I think I want to go to Japan and then start like, living more in the nature, start growing our own food and see where this is going to take us. Yeah, so that's how we started. Yeah. I, I think I read or I saw one of your videos where you're talking about at first when you're starting, because you're learning everything from scratch only three years ago. Um, that the bugs were eating everything, the、right. ground was really hard.、Um, but you've done so well and you've learned so much even over three years. It's an amazing journey. Thank you. Yeah, I guess it's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are things getting easier as you go? Are you starting to like, improve the soil? Are things starting to grow? I noticed one area you were putting garlic. Next to arugula, so learning how to keep pests away by how you plant is that right? Yes, I mean, a lot of times, of course, we're still learning, and then the hardest thing is like,、uh, you know, 
the season comes only once in a year. So we can experiment things that we learn online and stuff like that once in a year. So this is like a third try. So we're like, you know, learning how to grow like herbs next to like something kale so that like bugs don't eat kale, that kind of stuff. But it's still difficult. Like spacing is wrong sometimes and like, you know, for instance, the radish took over so much and then we couldn't get carrots this year. So stuff like that. But yeah, we've been learning a lot and yeah. So tell me a little bit about Kansha Farm. What does it look like? Like how big is your area? Uh, what animals do you have on the farm? What products um, have you been making? You want to talk about yeah, it? Ahead, okay. So it's about less than two acres. Yeah, it's, I think it's about two yeah, acres. Yeah, two so acres. Small. Yeah, it's small, but it's a handful and for two people. And uh, we've been growing wheat. Uh, this is the third year. And we've been growing our own food, which is now uh, garlic, arugula, kale, uh, potatoes, uh, coriander, like, you know, central, and uh, stuff like that. That's something that we eat. And, um, yeah, we when we harvest a lot of wheat, we make whole wheat flour, and then we sell it as much as we can, but we mostly keep wheat for ourselves to consume and it'll make bread and stuff like that and uh last year our friends dropped off uh three female chicken hens and also two roosters out of blue so we start having chickens as well <laughs> and this um winter uh we have like a two chicks hatched from the eggs so we have like a two yeah baby chickens growing in the coop right now but they've been producing a lot of eggs so we can get a lot of eggs for ourselves now yeah, which is that's wonderful going yeah. back to your wheat i'm so excited to hear that you're growing wheat and making your own breads and everything um i saw your sourdough starter uh kind of fails and challenges making the starter from scratch i think that's very similar to a lot of people during coronavirus trying to yeah. challenge sourdough. We talked to Lee Utsumi, who has Leeds bread in Oiso in Kanagawa, and she has a beautiful sourdough that she makes every day. Um, it's not easy making bread, but it, all your, your photos look amazing. And the fact that it comes from your own wheat, that yeah, is, that's amazing. Yes. And um, I was also very impressed that you're using biodegradable bags. Tell me about these bags. Oh, the compost bags. Yes. I, we want to. So the concept farm is not something that we just grow food and sell. Like we want to have this place as like community and then people can come to us and then appreciate the life and nature because we're part of it. Because I feel that we are so isolated or like so far away from nature, how we live nowadays. And I think we should not forget, you know, we're part of it. So the purpose of biodegradable bags are like, it's kind of a reminder, like, you know, if it's plastic, it won't go back to the soil. If it's, um, I mean, like, if it's like a paper, it comes through a tree. I mean, biodegradable is a perfect option, but, like, that's something that, like, 
triggers people's head to think, why is it biodegradable? Why have to be this way? Is this new way? Is, that, is there a reason why behind it? You know, stuff like that. So we found this like um, company in Chicago. They focus on biodegradable bags. And then we love their products. It's called Elevate Packaging. Yeah, so we chose the specific bag to sell our stuff. Yeah. And I'm showing on screen right now your flower in the package. So you've got like a paper uh, label part and then you've got this biodegradable plastic. And then on your Instagram, you were showing how in your compost, yes. it will biodegrade in three months. So that's wonderful to see you testing it as well. Yeah, we love this thing. I mean, like, we don't use it very often because, like, it's not that something we can just use it and throw it away. That's not sustainable way, I believe. Um, no matter what, like, you should find a way to, like, prolong whatever you have. Um, yeah, lifetime. And so when we're, like, using the biodegradable bags and then, like, it seems like it's, like, not in a good condition anymore. We just like chop everything and put in our uh, warm compost. And then actually it's funny to see like worms love eating that. Yeah. So what is it made of that it's biodegraded? Is it made from some kind of plant fiber or? I think so. I mean, like I completely forgot about it. So I, I can't tell you the ingredients of like what the yeah uh bags are made of but i checked like if with the company like if this biodegradable goes into the ocean like does it like you know degrade and they said like as long as it's in the nature setting everything will go back to microorganisms so, so well yeah. hopefully we'll see more of that in the future because that's such a big problem um, oh, yeah. Like people will say, oh, it's not so bad because Japan burns all of its plastic. Well, you know, that that isn't perfect. And... Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty bad uh, <laughs> way to do it. That sounds pretty so. bad to me. Plus, we do like monthly cleanups at the river and at the beaches, and we always find plastic packaging, always. And yeah. so yeah. If, if we think we're just finding a tiny fraction, how much is ending up in the water that people just can't get? So every time after a storm, a lot of people's trash will end up in the waterways. And if it's not biodegradable, it's not going anywhere for the next 100 years or 200 years, right? So yeah. biodegradable, safe for marine life to eat. Um, if it's plant-based, definitely would be, right? It's yep. an awesome, awesome choice. Yeah. Yep. We want we wanted to go full on. Good try for to you. Is it really expensive to order? Um, it's not cheap. Yeah. It's not cheap. Like I see same amount of plastic packaging, much, much cheaper price. But well, it's that's, yeah. That's something I, I hope will change. I hope um, until the price changes, until plastic becomes a little more expensive, it's really hard for consumers to make the more expensive choice, right? Yeah, I, I agree. But I think, um, at least for me, it's like, yeah, I think, at the you know, hopefully you let the marketplace figure it out. And uh, we we buy the little bit more expensive bags, but then people that are interested in that pass that along. And I know ourselves, like, uh, 
we try to buy aluminum can like aluminum instead of plastic if we can and all, all that and i think if more people start doing that and maybe you have a favorite product and they don't offer maybe they only offer it in plastic maybe you write to them and say hey i'm not like i love your product but i'm not going to buy it anymore because of this and we haven't done that writing part yet but we've stopped buying things that we really like if they don't have something that we think is a, a good way to do it you know like we've uh so we've done half of that but hopefully enough people buying uh stuff that kind of matches uh their values i think uh eventually maybe things will get better absolutely so. and in because we are living in the age of social media it's actually really easy to communicate to the companies so yeah. whenever i buy something because we're we're a vegan vegetarian family so there is a lot of things we have we have to buy to have a high quality of life which only mm -hmm. come in plastic but I often, you know, put it on social media, say, I love this product. I tag the company. Quite often the company's on social media, right? So yeah. you tag the company and you say, I love this product. I wish it was in biodegradable packaging, you know? Yeah, and I think that's, what, that's a great thing to do. Especially for Western companies, they're watching. And they yeah. really take this kind of review seriously. And quite often I have a reply it's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great Good, job. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, we shop at Costco. Unfortunately, we can't get enough of what we need from local farmers. Um, mm. But I love your story talking about coming back from the States and how you had to find your own way all the way down to Kagoshima, right? So you mm. had to eat at convenience stores along the way. And then your realization of the contrast between how you're living on Kansha Farm and how you would live if you weren't farmers. And that, that contrast, it made you feel so much better that you don't have to have all that packaging all the time, right? That's such yeah. a wonderful story. Yes, like once you experience it, like you can truly say, you know, we can grow our own food. Of course, not everything, but like a little bit less is better than nothing. So, yeah, we enjoy this kind of like no less waste, like more mindful lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to composting a little bit because you've got some great videos on YouTube about your composting ideas. Now, you were doing composting in the States as well, and then, of course, doing composting on the farm. Tell us yes. a little bit about your composting. So, what's we the secret? Have, <laughs> what's the secret? Well, we're still experimenting, but like a warm compost works really, really well for us. Um, because like we have red regular worms and that was from our friends in Japan. And, uh, we, I just made like a kind of like wooden pallet, like, you know, box. And then there's like an aeration going, like there's like a, there's no bottom, but like, there's like a mesh kind of thing at the bottom. So I just put like shredded paper, peat moss, and then uh worms in it and then like we just keep putting like food scraps and worms just eat like everything except like dairy bread like a meat kind of thing um very very quickly so there is no smell to it there's no um 
that like a really small amount of bugs and it's been working really great for like two years so and and also like i love the part that i have to like sift everything to get the black gold which is going to be our fertilizer um yeah and then like we can use that for plant and like i know like I ate and then I could put the, you know, food scraps and then worms ate it and then they poop and then they, we get the bug gold and it goes back to the soil and then we get more food. That cycle is amazing, really, you know. I feel like I made like a little tiny like a uh, circular like, you know, seal to it in our kitchen area and I feel like so proud of it <laughs> absolutely and soil is so important not oh, only yeah. for farmers but for everyone oh, yeah. um we we had a great guest dr worms i called him i nicknamed him he is researching about soil and worms and he has been for many years and he's convinced that all the secrets to our more sustainable high quality future is in the soil and yeah. why aren't we researching the soil more? A lot mm -hmm. of money is being spent to research what's in marine life, what's in the ocean. But we have so much more food coming from the earth. Mm -hmm. But we're not researching it. Um, mm -hmm. Now, you talked a little bit about changing the quality of your soil that before it was uh, rice fields and yes. you were able to change it. Can you tell us a little bit about how you improved it? So, or we, like at first, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was planting everything in the clay soil, which uh, I couldn't harvest anything because like, you know, it retains way too much water and the root rots and it, the plants die, you know? So I started building a raised garden bed just make sure like I can grow some food at least. And then I started mulching everything like hay, like leaves. We have a bunch of rice husks for free here. So like those things, I just start like putting everything in the ground and then covering, 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 covering until um, they become soil. So that's how we start improving our soil. And then he came along and like, we have to like have like more like covered, covered plants. And then we put like a lot of, um, what's called clover seeds. Now we have a bunch of clovers and then they're doing like a lot of work into the soil. So soil conditions are much better nowadays. So yeah, we're still like learning a lot, but mulching and the covered plants that's how we improve how we are improving our soil yeah that's great uh you mentioned uh jerusalem artichokes as well the oh sun yes. Chokes, yes which help yes. help the soil right yeah well because like they're very strong and our neighbor gave like a couple like jerusalem artichoke one day because like she has uh she's a diabetic and then like she wanted to get a lot of like uh, drew some orange truck. So like she said like, hey, can you grow this for me? And I was like, okay, sure. Like I'll just put it in the soil and then like wait it. And there's like, a beautiful massive flower like over summer and then they died. And in the root part, there's like, a bunch of drew some orange truck. And I think I forgot to plant, uh, take all of it. So they came back next year and then they've been just like spreading and then kind of like, I don't know, like uh, aerating the soil and all that like 
life and microorganisms root vegetable they're like really cracking the soil for us you know that's amazing yeah when i i visited in our area of hiroshima i visited thomas clever and uh he often has the sunchoke or the jerusalem artichoke and he said it's like a win-win because when you dig it out, even if you forget some in there, it'll just come back next year. So it's like yeah. a, a present and it keeps wow. helping out the soil. And uh, they taste pretty good, too. I oh. like them. Mm-hmm. I love soup. I love the Jerusalem artichoke soup. Yeah. And then I've seen it roasted a bunch of different ways. Yeah, it's a great vegetable. And I hadn't realized what it was before or that it was even in Japan. Now I see it everywhere because I I know what it is now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned about community. And I I pick up uh, from your Instagram and from the events that you're doing that your community has been a great support for you guys. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Do you want to talk about the last Monday, about the last Monday? Like how people started coming to our farm? You mean a few days ago? Yeah, a few days oh, okay. ago. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I feel like that's where we'd end the story, but um, <laughs> okay, we'll start from the end and we'll work our way to the beginning. But um, yeah, just the other day we had uh, including us we had seven people there and we just uh spent the day um working on the farm getting the garden beds ready for this year and um got to eat some great food that we made she made a uh, ciabatta along with another uh friend of hers and we had like a great lunch and everybody was like you know i guess uh came and visited uh we had people coming from as far away as like uh, aoshima in miyazaki and uh Someone, new people. yeah, new people, yeah. and then someone to uh, someone new just showed up, and uh, it's just really great to build a community of people that have like uh, similar interests and values, and you know, trying to make the world a better place, just one little area, you know, one little bit at a time. But you know, that's uh, I think the most important step. So yeah. um, we like sharing our life. Yeah. So you know, as much as we can share, like you know, they bring their own knowledge as well and we share everything and then we spend time together it's really amazing like we don't want to use concert farm as just a farming or anything like that it's more like communal place that people connect to each other connect to the nature and learn from each other and so that's why i'm trying to kind of like expand a lot of um different kind of like events I guess, like through a workshop, we did like an Indigo workshop a couple of times. We did like Akanezome, which is like, I think uh, Indian, like a root, like it's like a red color um, because my friend is really good at like uh, doing the shibori dye. And uh, yeah, some of our friends um, brought like a dream catcher workshop here and it was vegan food. So like, I don't know everyone, but Friends bring everyone, friends bring like friends and then like, oh yeah, I like that idea. Let's do it at the concert front. And then like people who are interested come here and then learn what they want to learn. And also they see, oh, you guys are like living like this. Like why? Like, you know, they ask like, why do you want to live like this? And then we explain and like, you know, they're like, oh, that's really great. Like, I'm going to start farming. Well. Like, not farming, but gardening or, like, growing our own food in the balcony, stuff like that. So, like, 
yeah, like it's a really great community to to like I guess start living more sustainably. I guess. Yeah. When I talked to Byron and Kaori Nagi, uh, they're just outside Tokyo, and they they moved from the city center. They moved with a young family out to the rural areas. They started farming from scratch, living in a an old house and remodeling. And、mm. what they were talking about, which I'm sure maybe is similar to you guys's story as well, is there is a change in perspective somehow. That when they were living in the city and thinking about moving out, they were thinking,、oh, "It's going to be so hard. I'm going to miss the city so much." And then、mm-hmm. after about a year, they were, they hardly ever went back in the city. They didn't really miss it. Have you found something similar happen with you? I definitely have. Yes. Yeah, I think we've we've grown to really like、uh, rural living. So、um, yeah, I don't think we miss. I don't think we miss the things that we used to think we needed to do to have fun. We found, I think, more enriching ways to have fun, and、uh, yeah, I think we really like the way we're living. So I would, I would agree with that. That's、yeah. great. That's great to hear.、Um, I'm showing the picture of the Indigo Dye Workshop that you were doing, and I, from your post, this is something I love about Indigo. In Japan, you can grow indigo, and there's not enough growing. Please grow more indigo, people.、Um, <laughs> there's a lot of indigo in Shikoku Island, but not much around other areas of Japan. But if you can grow indigo in Japan, usually you don't need pesticides, right? No. And then you harvest it, and you're doing the dyeing process, and it's totally fine to get on your hands. It doesn't hurt people、right. to do it. It doesn't hurt. To wear it, right? And then I think your post as well. You said the the wastewater is fine to put on the plants. It's、yes. a perfect cycle of a sustainable system, and I just love it so much. And I wish all indigo in Japan was natural indigo. I know that a lot of the big companies are using indigo from other countries. It's treated. There's chemicals added.、And、it's so nice to see natural indigo in use. It's such a magical thing, right? Yeah, I think our the indigo at that workshop. I think that comes from、um, a friend of Lee's who、uh, I think she's growing it just about a kilometer away from us uh, on yeah, some yeah. land she inherited from her parents, and she had.、Uh, I think either rice field or green tea, and she's like, I can't ma- grow that. I don't know enough, but she just planted a bunch of indigo, and it's just growing there. I think I'm pretty sure organically. It is so, organic, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's、awesome. it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did an indigo workshop、um, last year, or two years ago, and the lady did two styles. One was a fresh indigo dye, and the other was a fermented indigo dye. So、wow. fermented. You need to.、Uh, it's like making sake. You need to、right. ferment it.、Yeah. You need certain temperature. You need a long time. But then the fresh one, you have a much lighter color. But it is possible to pick it, blend it up with water, and I believe salt, and then、yeah. you can use it right away. And I thought that was so cool, and it yeah, kind of we, opened my mind、yeah. to to possibilities because I always think. Indigo is too hard, right? You have to go somewhere where they have the fermented vat, right? 
But if you can move Indigo around and do workshops or do different activities, that really opens things up, right? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, like, it's really great to see our friend just, like, it brings, like, Indigo, like, dry Indigo, and then we put our, like, river water or, like, rainwater and then cook, like, Indigo. We did the fresh type, I guess. So, yeah, it's really nice to, like, pattern everything and then, like, dye it and then, like, see it, what comes out. It's an amazing process. Wow, that's wonderful. And then another event you did, you, you mentioned about the dream catchers. And in your social media posts, you were talking about it being upcycled. So actually using old clothes as a part of the craft. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it was really fun. That was my first time too. So I wasn't, I, I didn't know what to expect. But like, uh, yeah, uh, my friend's friend came with like a bunch of old clothes and it's like a torn up and we just pick whatever the color we like and then there's a wheel so we're wrapping everything and it's amazing to see something that you don't want or something you're about to throw away gets to be recycled and then becomes such a pretty object, you know, that you want to be looking at all the time. So yeah, it was an amazing experience. So in terms of doing events, does that help you have like a more sustainable style income? Because of course, sustainability, you have to make money to live, right? That's part of sustainability. Um, So doing events, does that help kind of make different streams of revenue for you? So it makes it a bit more stable? Um, It definitely helps. Because, you know, owning a property, you have to pay property tax. And also, like, in the summer times, you have to read. If we're not, like, available, we have to hire somebody to do it. So having the land costs us. But, like, having a little workshop like that definitely helps us to maintain the land. I don't know if it becomes, like, profit. I, I mean, like, I really don't think that because that's becoming profit yet. And, the, and also, like, we're not doing as many as workshops we want to do. So we have, like, a different jobs besides the concert farm. And concert farm is more like, like a sub. Like, I don't know. Like, it's part of our lifestyle. So, like, it's really difficult to say that's that income, you know, source or not. But hopefully, like, that will balance out. No. It's hard. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah, so it's it's difficult to have enough income just from the farm as it is. Um, do you kind of envision that in the future you hope to be? You hope the farm is enough? I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think that'll. I think that would be maybe a, a ways off. I think the idea is that having Contra Farm gives us enough uh, independence that we can do the stuff we want to do and focus on. Leah teaches yoga and we do like translations together. So it gives us enough time to have the free time to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not sure. I don't think either of us are very business savvy, but uh, we're trying to learn as we go. Oh, you guys seem really business savvy. I think 
like looking at your your social media, the way that you're marketing your Sunday farm days, for example, your different events. And then you're talking about maybe the events don't give enough income, but it is part of your branding, right? It is a really good way for people to know about you and to know about what you do. And oh, they're selling wheat and eggs online. Well, I'm gonna order that, you know, because I've been there, I've experienced it. And then maybe word of mouth is is stronger because people have been there and they've experienced that on a deeper level, right? I think so. I mean, like eventually, uh, I believe that farm will bring more income source, but we're still like testing out a lot of stuff and we're still learning as we go. So I feel like, like um, we're not there yet, <laughs> but I think the future is bright. <laughs> That's how I feel about the farm. Yeah, every every farmer I talk to, especially in Japan, it's finding it really hard to make it on just farming. And yeah. I'm so happy to hear that you're doing organic farming, but I think the market is a little bit young still in Japan that most consumers don't really see the difference mm-hmm. between this vegetable and an organic vegetable and why do I pay that much more for organic? And then what I hear from organic farmers as well is the organic certification in Japan allows some pesticides. Mm-hmm. So if you're purely organic, you don't use any pesticides, There, it doesn't change the label. It's the same label as some mm-hmm. farms that might use pesticides. So there needs to be a little bit more clarity in terms yeah. of you know, the certification and then consumer understanding. Um, But I think with so many people traveling or spending time abroad and understanding what organic is and the benefits for my health, but also the benefits for the area's health, for the clean water that doesn't have pesticides in it, which I want to drink, right? So then there is a lot of positive effects from not using pesticides or fertilizers, right? Although it maybe you don't have as much as if you used commercial pesticides, maybe. But um, yeah. you probably feel a lot better about what you're doing, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, like you know, we just go out there and they harvest a bunch of cilantro that we could just eat off. The ground, I feel like much better. Like you know, and it tastes amazing. Like it's, it's living thing. Like we we used to buy a lot of stuff from like Whole Foods, which is organic food store in America. But you know, they look pretty, they look fresh, but like the taste is so different. So yeah, we're learning as we grow our own stuff and like it, what the soil can do for our food and ourselves. And it's definitely changing our perspectives. And then I think, isn't it similar to why you're choosing to use biodegradable bags, right? Like you you have pride in what you're doing and you feel like it's the right way to do it, even yeah. if it's not as profitable, right? And then sometimes I on your social media, I see that a lot of kids are helping. So you feel better if kids are out there helping, if you know there's no chemicals, nothing's going to make them them sick or anything. So that's wonderful. Yeah. 
All right, let's uh, talk about the chickens. Tell me about your chickens. They look so cute. They are cute. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about well, it? I think you can tell that story better than I do. <laughs> well, I think she's the main chicken master. Um, I wasn't quite ready to have them. We talked about, well, someday we'll get chickens. We want to have the, the right place for them and make sure we've kind of figured out all the other stuff because I don't know how she talks about herself, but I, I wouldn't quite call myself a farmer yet. I'm still learning quite a bit, and uh, which is exciting because I'm learning every day, and uh, I you know love to learn, but uh, I'd be pretty humble. I mean, I'd be pretty, I think, uh, bold to call myself a farmer. Yeah. I think where I'm learning, and I was like, well, yes, we'll have chickens someday, but let's, let's kind of figure out this other stuff, master some of this other stuff first. And she's like, oh, okay. And we were at a dinner party, and she's she was telling, I guess she was telling someone, oh yeah, we want chickens. And I think that she meant like, Eventually. yeah, she meant <laughs> in the, at some point we will want chickens. And, uh, I guess she got a call someday and, uh, it was, the guy's like, I'm bringing chickens over right now. And, uh, basically we ended up having, yeah, five chickens. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we had to take care of it. We had to figure out a way to make it happen, I guess. Yeah. So we had like no idea how to have a chicken. We had a coop, which came with like old house to be remodeled, and uh, we like we were doing like DIY to re you know live, and um, so we start like asking people like how 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 what do we feed them first like you know what do they eat like do we have to give them green stuff like we had no idea, but you know chickens are living thing they they adjust pretty quickly. They adjust our life like into a lifestyle as well. And then they learn that like we feed them. So I think in like, you know, long, like six months or so, we start learning like how we can take care of them. And it's a learning experience to like check every, like check them every single day, how they're doing. And, and then one day like this, like a hen starts sitting on the eggs that she laid and like, I was like, should I move her? Like, I'm not sure. Like, then I just like, you know what? I'm going to just let her do whatever she wants to do because I have no idea. And so she just sat there for like 21 days until this like a little like chicks appeared. Like, all of a sudden. So. That's yeah, an amazing, that's an amazing story. You were saying she wouldn't eat or drink anything. Yeah. For two weeks or something, and you were really worried about her, and then she she had chicks. So I guess that's yeah. what they do. Um, yeah. When I visit Thomas's farm in Hiroshima, he uses the chickens as a tractor. He mm -hmm. calls it the chicken tractor. So he mm -hmm. puts it in certain areas, and they scratch up the ground, and they eat the weeds and or the bugs and uh, it works really well in combination with being a farmer like using animals on the farm so hopefully you'll you'll find that too that they're useful for eating eating things that you need to clear or scratching up the ground or fertilizer oh, yeah. of course natural fertilizer too right yes for sure definitely yeah, yeah i think since we got them we've uh learned a little bit more but uh yeah we're gonna uh, we're building we're gonna build a new coop for them um and uh try to incorporate some of those ideas and have a fenced-in area for them to go during the day uh we want to do like a 
some, I guess, a permaculture idea is like a food forest. So we're trying to design one of those right now in one of the old rice fields. And we want to incorporate the chickens being able to graze in that area. So, yeah, we're uh, trying to learn the um, all the benefits they can bring, you know, so... One other thing I've I've heard from people in the series, like John Speary, he had his chickens eaten by predators a mm. few times. So you have to make sure your coop is secure yeah. from, I think it's foxes that come down and eat for, in Japan around the forest. Have you had any predators? Well, yeah. we, have, uh, we have foxes, we have anaguma, raccoon we have dogs. raccoon dogs and boar. So I'm pretty sure all four of those things will eat a chicken. So we got to be careful. Yeah, we haven't had any incidents yet, fortunately. So. Yeah. And I, I see I'm showing your packaging right now. And again, it looks like a like a cardboard box style. Which packaging? The, the eggs. For the oh, eggs. the eggs. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we're not selling that. We just, uh, we have like cardboard, like, you know, like a carton. So like, I was like one day playing around like, oh my gosh, one day if we have a bunch of like eggs, maybe we can share with friends and then you know it's not my purpose our purpose is not just the selling eggs it's just a story why we do this like why it's important i just want to send that message with our own products so i was just brainstorming <laughs> i love it i love your your logo idea um i love the fact that you could compost that container, if you wanted to, it's biodegradable. And so few egg containers in Japan are, right? If you buy yeah. eggs, it's usually in a plastic container. And plastic is such a big hurdle. I know. Yeah. It's just That's every, actually... everywhere. And it's so convenient yeah. and it's so cheap. And I understand that. But man, we have to change it. So it's yeah. so nice to see an option. Yeah, that, that car, those cartons were actually, I think, reused from a, a vendor that's in the local area that we had his eggs. So we, we try to do the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. And so we do a lot of uh, reusing. And uh, so I think that's what that was yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's awesome. And speaking of eggs as well and neighbors, uh, there's a great story. You gave some pickled eggs to a neighbor and he gave you something in return giant shiitake mushrooms oh yeah yes we had like we harvested eggs and then we just brought eggs to him he's this neighbor has been helping us so much and also like he's connecting us to everyone to help us out so sometimes i bring stuff like we harvest and then like he just gives back with like more stuff he grows <laughs> yeah so like i mean everyone around here farm. I mean, garden or like grow their own food. And that's so natural to them. They're not even farmers. And it's really great that we have so many resources, so many people guiding us to be more self-sustainable. Yeah. Nice. And then you, you also said you learned how to do shiitake. How did you do it? You want to talk about the shiitake mushroom thing? Okay, I love well, shiitake. That, I want to know. Just, yeah, that was just the other day, I guess. Um, so the same uh, friend of ours, uh, he had a bunch of kanugi tree on his own property. And uh, so I guess at some point over the last few months, he cut that down and made the logs. So I, 
I don't, uh, I'm no expert myself and I don't know anyone else out there what they know about shiitake, but the way they're grown here, at least in this part of Japan, is you have a log, probably about that big, and then uh, you'll set those up kind of in a tent formation or, or, or different ways, like a, in a long row. And uh, you, these are the kanugi logs we're using. And so the, the steps were we had to bring these up off of the hill. And it's a type of oak. So it's extremely heavy. It's really dense and heavy. So these logs, like, they don't look that heavy. And then you pick them up and uh, moving them, that was a lot of work. And then, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I got a little bit of a thing on my arm from uh carrying them because there's you know had to try to hold them like this because some of them were really thick trunks but um first taking them into the area then getting all some of them have too much moss on them you got to get that off i guess and uh then you basically uh drill holes into them and then you're putting a shiitake culture in there and then that's what we did the other day but with just hundreds of logs so there's going to be thousands of shiitake from that yeah. And uh, between what well, he gave us a few, but it's helping him out because he helps us so uh, out so much. So, um, and he's seventy, so like it's not that he can just carry everything by himself. So, yeah. So yeah. you can just buy what a packet of spores. So when you drill the holes, you just put the spores. Yeah, in they, the... they're made to be like that, so they come like a little plug, like maybe like the size of a thimble or your, your you know, your, the end of your pinky finger, and you you have a a certain size, like even it's a specific drill bit. So you drill that in a certain distance and then uh, put the uh, kind of this plug or thimble thing in there and you hammer it in so it's flush with the bark. And then I guess now for the next month, you kind of just let that sit there in a, either a dark area, not too much sunlight. And uh, I don't know, that cures or does something. And then you'll in a, in a few months, you'll set that up into the tent kind of formation I'm talking about. And you want that to be in a area where there's not too much sunlight, but has moisture and moisture. Yeah. Well, we don't have to worry about moisture in Kagoshima. It's uh, very humid. <laughs> um, but then, uh, oh, cute. yeah, I think that October, November, you'll have shiitake. We'll start having shiitake grow. Maybe uh, a little bit later. Maybe we have to wait for like a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's it's such a great alternative to meat, right? It's it's so meaty. It's yeah. like the the plant version of meat. Like if you grill it, even you could put it in a sandwich. You guys make your own bread. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness, you could have a great product there. <laughs> Definitely, we enjoy a lot of harvest to like cook and experiment what ingredients become like close to like, you know, burger or like a uh, meat pasta, kind of red pasta kind of thing. It is fun to experiment with like our own food. Yeah. It looks like you're such a good cook too. And you, you know how to make raw vegan chocolate. You were yes. doing raw vegan chocolate workshop with the kids on Valentine's or something. Yes. That's amazing. Tell me about yeah. that. So, um, I I loved like raw vegan food. I loved vegan food when I was living in California. So like I started attending like a like a chef's like workshops and stuff like that. Like one of the first one that I attended was Matthew Kenny, which is like uh, he's like very famous in the raw vegan world, I think. And so I learned like, how to make uh, not not cheese 
raw pastries, uh, vegan, uh, raw chocolate. And, but that, that was just like a hobby thing. Like, you know, I just wanted to learn. And we moved to Pittsburgh. That's where he's from later on. And this cafe was opening up. And it's a vegan cafe. And then they had chocolate as well. But chocolate here was leaving like in a month or so. So like I had a little bit of experience. So like I took over that position and it wasn't raw vegan, but like it was a vegan chocolate. It was amazing chocolate. So I learned so much working there for like about a year. And I started developing my own style with like raw chocolate because like they were using good quality chocolate, but still like, you know, had like things and all that kind of stuff and it was like a bark that was made we just temper but I wanted to minimize everything to pure form <laughs> so I started experimenting and came up with like yogi's chocolate which is like a raw vegan chocolate that I started selling in a yoga studio and because I was a, you know, I'm a yoga teacher then that became like a more I guess job ish kind of thing than hobby so every valentine's day we had like pop-up shops and also like you know uh workshops in america and here in japan when we're back and forth back and forth here in america and japan like we offer like i offered raw chocolate workshop as well so everyone enjoys it so yeah yeah i think if you like dark chocolate i think it's the best chocolate in the world i'm not <laughs> not trying to be crazy in, with that statement it's so good it's very delicious that's yeah. awesome best chocolate i've ever had i i talked to a vegan baker who makes beautiful chocolate cakes and everything the other day based in osaka rosie galvan and she sent me some of her brownies and they are just to die for mm -hmm. And she said, the secret is just more chocolate. It doesn't taste good, just add more chocolate. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's wow. a pretty good, good yeah. fix-all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a comment from Molly B. Thanks for joining Molly on Periscope. She says, I'm in Pittsburgh. We oh, have wow. some great vegan restaurants here. Thanks. Wow. Is that yeah, true? Hi, Molly. Yeah. Hi, Molly. Check out B52. That's where Probably we, she knows. Probably she knows. Yeah. yeah that's where Leah that's, is the Yeah, where we work. Where we work. Yeah. Oh, Great no. That's yeah. so cool. Um, so is that where you guys met? No, we met in LA. Yes. Yeah, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yes. Wow. That's so nice. Um, okay, so we have talked about chocolate, we have talked about chickens. I wanna talk a little bit more about your yoga because I saw this one picture with lemongrass, your basil the yoga and your pictures of the people that took your class. And it really made me think you have something very special here because the whole idea of being on an organic farm is already where you need to be for meditation or yoga or holistic, healthy life, right? Yeah. So I can imagine in the future, you guys have like a yoga studio there. You have vegan food, healthy smoothies. You've got oh, yeah. like a, a great package. That is funny that you mentioned that because like that was my original idea why I moved to here. It was more like a business side of mind that like I want to have yoga 
dome in the field and where we grow own food. And after that, we have community meals and like, you know, kind of like yoga retreat type of thing. But of course, the reality, we don't know anything about farming to begin with. Like that has to be like way, way like in the future, you know? So like, it's more like we're making Kansas Farm as um, part of our life than like a business now. But eventually, if we feel like more comfortable um, sharing what we harvest and have like enough space to hold people to like, you know, do yoga together. Yes, that idea is something that I still want to manifest in the future. Yeah. I think yeah, there is a once lot I, of potential yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. Once I, she says, once I get my carpentry skills up, I need to I build her a yoga dome. So that's, that's going to happen someday, hopefully. Yeah. That's great. I I haven't had a chance to talk to them in the series, but there's a organic farm, maybe a hostel uh, in Kagoshima. They took over an old school and they made like a place to stay. And I know you guys have had woofers stay with you. Hopefully you can have a whole connection of people who are doing kind of holistic things or yoga retreats or places to stay, organic food, and collaborate together. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And especially now, like, we're not there yet on our own. So, like, yes, I love to collaborate, like, you know, teaching yoga in that kind of setting as well. So, yeah, that's a great tip. <laughs> Thank you. That's wonderful. And also Senganen, the traditional like tourist place. So you have some traditional Japanese samurai kind of attractions. You've got organic. So that, that Kagoshima area, very excited for you guys. Can't wait to come and visit myself. Yes. Oh, wow. Maybe yeah. maybe you can like have you can guide us how we can brainstorm. <laughs> I love that. I, I live for brainstorming. That's my that's my passion. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so do you have any things coming up this year? Are you continuing the Sunday farm days? Are you planning some events coming up? Uh, do things just come up and you kind of go with that? Or do you have things in mind that you'd like to do this year? Well, so this year is a little bit different because I'm pregnant. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so our lifestyle is going to be different. It's going to change no matter what. So I wanted to do more Sunday farm day. I wanted to do more workshops. However, I want to take my, I want to take this time to delegate raising a family, like being healthy for this year but uh in april actually my friend asked me if she could host a workshop with her dad about uh harvesting bamboo at the kansha farm and then making traditional uh basket japanese basket from bamboos so i said yeah go ahead please use it like you know use the farm as much as you can so yeah like if people want to do something with us and if you are like, you know, available, definitely farm is going to be open to the public. That's yeah, great. I, th 
I think we'll end up probably doing Sunday farm day, I assume. Mm -hmm. uh, even if Leah is doing a little bit less, uh, I think we'll try to be here welcoming people Saturday and Sundays, I think. Um, that's a big thing for us. I think uh, COVID-19 you know, has just kind of made things a little bit complicated for us. Like we were going to have kind of a big uh, Thanksgiving party, American Thanksgiving in November. And we had to cancel that because of COVID-19. So we're just trying to be extra careful with that. But um, yeah. yeah, we're hoping to start doing more stuff now that spring is here. And uh, uh, yeah, that hopefully we'll have a lot of uh, Sunday farm days coming up. That's great. I see in your Instagram that you had some loofah plants. I, have you been growing loofah as well? We just started the seeds. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's Those exciting. Ones, yeah, those ones were from a friend, but uh, we really liked them so much, and uh, that's what we use to clean our dishes with now. So we're not uh, trying not to use uh, plastic sponges and other stuff like that, and uh, they actually work better. So yeah, definitely better. Once we learned that, we're like, we got to get some seeds and grow these ourselves. So that's yeah. what we're trying to do this year. Yeah. I love that. And then you use it up, and then you put it in the compost bin, and it goes back to dirt, and then it can grow again, and then you can use it again. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. It's perfect. Yeah. Like yeah, it's I, a remarkable yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't feel guilty like throwing away the sponge, like you know the loofah sponge. Like I just tear up everything and I give it to the worms. There you go. Here's your food. Like you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Free. Yeah, it works better than the other sponges. Definitely. At least, at least for us. So the only problem is we don't have enough. So that's why we're gonna grow yeah. more ourselves. So yeah, that's great. We love it. Is there any other vegetables or products that you'd like to try to grow that you haven't been able to yet? Oh, uh, peppers, chili peppers and uh, bell peppers and sweet peppers. That's kind of one of my favorite foods. And we've only grown uh, some jalapenos and some shishito, but we want to really expand that this year. We want to make our own uh, hot, hot sauce. sauces coming up. So, yeah. Well, I have two people that I will put in touch with you. Uh, right. In Nagano, Rodrigo Santiago, who did the Mexican cooking workshop for us. Ooh. He has some amazing habaneros and jalapenos. And I know Chuck Kayser in Shiga, another organic farmer. He's doing some great peppers. And I think Thomas in Hiroshima as well. So I'll put you in touch if you don't already know them. You guys can do share seeds. I saw that you did that. You did a she seed share. Tell me about this. So this was like a new idea that I wanted to try and then see if people are interested or not because we have a bunch of seeds and usually like we cannot finish one package by ourselves, especially like if it's like eggplant, tomatoes, stuff like that. So um, I thought that like, you know, having that opportunity will expand people's like interest to grow their own food. Uh, if they don't have to buy it, like they can just like exchange, that's much better. So like I post it on the social media, Instagram mainly like, hey, like if anybody interested, like exchanging seeds, we're welcome to do that. And then there's like one person who's uh, David who lives in Hokkaido. Uh, we've been like contacting each other on the social media media. And he's like, oh, like I love, like um, we are like farmers, and we can have like a lot. We have we have lots of seeds, especially like you buy melons and like all kinds of like cabbages. So like we will send you down some like Hokkaido seeds. 
And then I was like, okay, that's perfect. I'm going to send our seeds to you guys. And yeah, so like we had like a seed exchange from Hokkaido to Kagoshima, which is like bottom to top. Opposite sides of Japan. It's amazing that you can grow the same vegetables. But um, I think Thomas was talking to Rodrigo, who's in Nagano, and Thomas is in Hiroshima, very different areas, um, very different climates. And it seemed like one month difference. So there's one month less that the colder climate can grow and one month more that the warmer climate can grow. So even though Japan is kind of long, right? So where you guys are in Hokkaido, maybe the seasons are maybe two months apart. I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. So we're going to experiment to see how it goes. Sounds wonderful. Well, you guys are doing so much good stuff. Please take some time for yourself. Rest. Have a wonderful pregnancy. And hopefully (laughs) everything's smooth. You're super relaxed and happy and healthy. And everything will go well. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. So wonderful talking with you. Yeah, we'll definitely catch up. Maybe in six months' time when you have another farm helper around. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be amazing, yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining today. Uh, Tomorrow at 9 a.m., we're talking to Brigitte Noro about her experiences and meditation in Japan. So please join us then. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, Ria. Thank you, Ria. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Robert. Bye, Ria. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, coffee or haps. Have a great day.